Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. For the majority of offenses in Ireland, the age of criminal responsibility is 12. However, when it comes to more serious offenses, the age is reduced to 10. Boye was charged with murdering Anna, and after a brief court appearance, was taken to Oberstown Children's Detention Center in County Dublin till his bail application could be heard. Unfortunately, little is publicly known about either Boye or Boy B, but when the community discovered that Anna had been preyed upon and died at the hands of at least one boy slightly younger than herself, the disbelief, fear, and disgust that rippled throughout Leakslip and the rest of the country was palpable. The Irish people were united in their grief and outrage. Hannah's funeral was held on May 31st at Newlands Cross Crematorium in Dublin. Instead of the traditional black funeral attire, her parents asked mourners to dress in sparkle and color in honor of their daughter. Students from Hannah's dance school formed a guard of honor, dressed in red and silver sequined outfits. The Confey Community College School Choir sang a whole new world as Anna's coffin slowly made its way into the crematorium. Atop the coffin were a Russian flag and a Matskryoshka doll. In lieu of flowers, Anna's parents also asked that mourners and the public donate to the Russian-Irish Adoption Group, of which Anna was a proud member. In the meantime, further forensic testing revealed that the semen staining on Anna's black strappy tank top matched Boye's DNA 
This allowed police to charge Boyer with the aggravated sexual assault of Anna. But investigators also decided to re-interview Boy B on July 8th. An additional DNA profile to Boyer's had been detected on Anna's tank top, but as it was unable to be identified, there was a hope that Boy B might be able to provide information that would resolve the still many unanswered questions. It had now been over just seven weeks since Boy B had first spoken to police. Now his memory seemed to have improved, and he was more forthcoming. He told detectives about a month before Anna was killed. Boyer approached him with a proposition, asking Boy B if he wanted to kill someone. Boy B immediately rejected the idea, dismissing it by saying, quote, It's retarded. When Boy B asked Boyer who he wanted to kill, Boyer gave him Anna's name, to which Boy B responded, quote, In your dreams. Boy B now told investigators that when he... Boyer and Anna arrived at Glenwood House. He went inside first and found a stick. He then claimed that Boyer put on the zombie mask and started assaulting Anna. Boyer explained that he didn't intervene because he was frozen with fear. He claimed his initial fabricated accounts to police were an act of self-preservation, that he was frightened of what Boyer might say to detectives. Boy B said he had no reason to suspect that Boy A was actually serious about killing Anna. He also maintained he had no idea Boy A had formed an intention to follow through on his plan. As the case against Boy B was entirely circumstantial, police had little cause to detain him further. But while he'd incriminated himself further each time his version of events changed, police still didn't believe he'd been completely truthful. As it was, Boy B had changed his story nine times throughout eight interviews, over 17 hours. Four days later, he was charged with murdering Anna. Like Boyer, he was remanded to Oberstown Detention Center, pending the outcome of his bail application. Media coverage of Anna's sexual assault and murder had by now reached saturation point. It wasn't solely due to the horrific circumstances, but also because the case had the potential to set an infamous precedent. If convicted, the two boys would become the youngest people in the country's history to be found guilty of murder. As the boys were both 13 at the time and considered children in the eyes of the law, a media publication ban was applied under the Children Act, which is why we only know of them as Boy A and Boy B. This prevents the identities of juveniles being revealed at any stage, including post-conviction and after they turn 18. As much as this caused an outcry amongst sections of the public, such a stipulation is in place to maximize chances for convicted juveniles to be rehabilitated. In August 2018, both boys were granted bail. They would live at their respective homes until their trial had been concluded. Both teens would be tried together in the same set of court proceedings, but the jury would not be allowed to take into account any evidence against Boy A obtained during Boy B's interviews. In early 2019, as part of a pretrial preparation, the defense team for Boy B sought the opinion of a trauma psychologist to assess Boy B's mental state. A psychologist was of the view that Boy B was experiencing post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, from being present at the crime scene and watching events unfold. Boy B's defense team wanted to present the psychologist as a witness at trial. Their strategy was to argue that Boy B's repeated lies to police 
were his way of coping with the residual trauma rather than an intention to mislead investigators. The defense had also planned to have him testify that Boy B had no knowledge of Boy A's plan to kill Anna. In the end, the judge refused to allow the psychologist to provide evidence. As far as the judge was concerned, this was a matter for the jury to consider. Once they had taken the facts of the case into consideration, reporter Connor Gallagher of the Irish Times wrote at length of the case. He reported that when it came to Boy A, his defense team attempted to have forensic evidence in the form of Boyer's boots excluded from the trial. His barrister arguing that the boots had been tested surreptitiously in conjunction with Anna's disappearance. Police argued that the items in question were originally taken to investigate the alleged assault on Boyer in the park, and indeed at that stage, Anna's body hadn't even been found. The boots would not be excluded from evidence. The trial began in Dublin Central Criminal Court on April 29, 2019, as with the accused killers. Many of the children and young people who gave evidence to the court via video link also had their identities protected. Boy A and Boy B weren't required to sit in the dock throughout the trial, instead sitting on the public gallery with their families as the proceedings unfolded. Because the boys' identities were protected, only a certain amount of reporters were permitted in court, and despite the intense media scrutiny, the public wouldn't be able to attend to watch the trial. Patrick and Geraldine Creagel didn't miss a day of court. The prosecution laid out its case against both boys, alleging that Boy B supplied the insulation tape and knew what Boy A had planned. After leaving the Creagel home around 5 p.m. on May 14th, Boy B and Anna arrived at Glenwood House between 5.25 to 5.30 p.m., where Boy A was waiting inside. The prosecution maintained that Boy A stayed at Glenwood House, was in room one, while Boy A viciously attacked Anna, and that Boy B repeatedly lied to the police during the investigation. The court heard that the injuries which Boy A claimed to have received from the two assailants were actually sustained during his struggle with Anna as she fought ferociously for her life. Anna's parents provided opening testimony for the prosecution. They spoke about their vibrant daughter, while also giving context about her emotional struggles at school and the bullying she had already suffered at the hands of her peers. The prosecution knew they had their work cut out for them when it came to Boy B. The case against him was entirely circumstantial, with much of the evidence against him originating directly from his own police interviews. A key aspect of the prosecution's case was that Boy B had prior knowledge of the murder, which was based on the conversation he claimed he had a month before Anna was killed, where Boy A revealed his intentions. During almost 16 hours of police video interviews with Boy B that were played to the court, the jury heard him lying on numerous occasions. According to the Irish Independent, Boy B also spoke about Anna in his interviews using derogatory language, describing her as, quote, a weirdo and an outcast, and, quote, someone I shouldn't be around who dressed, quote, slutty. The court was shown CCTV footage from various sources in the area surrounding St. Catherine's Park, in chronological order. This traced the routes that both boys took through the park and adjacent field on the day Anna went missing. The footage showed both boys walking through a nearby residential area at around 4.10 p.m. The prosecution alleged that the teenager, with the backpack spotted on CCTV near Courtyard Lane, just before 5 p.m., was Boy A, walking towards Glenwood House, with the murder kit inside his bag. The court heard how the footage clearly contradicted the various accounts provided by the boys as to their movements on that day. 
The jury was also shown a computer-generated 3D model of Glenwood House to assist with their understanding how events unfolded once Anna and the boys arrived at the property. Key locations and pieces of evidence found in the house were indicated on the model, such as blood spatter, and where the alleged murder weapons in Anna's body were found. The parents of both boys relayed to the court their observations of their son's behavior in the days and weeks leading up to and following Anna's murder. The court heard that Boy A was raised in, quote, a decent and hardworking family, had no criminal history, nor had he experimented with alcohol or other drugs. His interests included martial arts, horror films, human anatomy, drawing, and video games. Boyer's parents testified that on the evening Anna went missing, their son arrived home, quote, shaken and fearful, claiming that he'd been assaulted by two older men in the park. The Irish Mirror reported that in an understandable effort to calm her son, Boyer's mother washed his blood-stained clothing before going with her son to provide a statement to police about the alleged attack. The court heard that Boy B was intelligent, articulate, and in his younger years had been a capable student. While he wasn't really into social media like many of his peers, he had a passion for video games, cartoons, Lego, puzzles, and electronics. This focus on individual pursuits and his dislikes of sport was enough for Boy B's father to describe his son as lazy. Boy B's father's testimony gave the picture of a naive young man who was somewhat of an outsider, or as he described it, quote, Hungry for friendship, it wasn't clear how long the boys had known each other, but by the time the trial was underway, neither boy had interacted with the other or had contact. Boy B's father explained that his son had multiple smartphones because he misplaced them on a couple of occasions. Boy B's father explained that when police called around to their house the evening that Anna went missing, he noticed his son seemed surprised, not in a pleasant way. Boy B's father testified that the following day, he tried to talk to his son about Boy A's claim he was assaulted, but his son was reluctant to discuss it. Boy B's father had thought it strange that Boy A would have been randomly attacked in the park, which was relatively safe. Feeling suspicious, he told his son he should be upfront with the police about anything he knew about the matter. Boy B's father went on to say when he accompanied his son to the park with the police the day after Anna went missing, he suspected his son knew more than he initially claimed, but that he was, quote, Afraid of saying something, the court heard that Boy B's father was extremely angry when his son told him the weekend before Anna went missing that he'd taken the insulation tape to give to Boy A. From his father's perspective, there was an expectation that Boy B should have asked permission to borrow anything that didn't belong to him. As far as Glenwood House was concerned, Boy B's father testified he had no reason to believe his son had been at the property recently. Boy B's father told the court that when it became apparent his son had been involved in the crime and was charged, the family had difficulty understanding how he could be capable of facilitating and participating in such a horrific act of violence. It was difficult enough for Boy B's father himself to understand why his son hadn't been truthful from the outset. Telling the court his son claimed that his failure to admit to what happened was because he didn't respect his father enough to be completely honest. The Journal.ie reported that Boy B eventually told his father that after seeing Boy A try to pull Anna's bra off with one hand while suffocating her with another, he was scared and intimidated by Boy A. Cross-examination of prosecution witnesses by the defense teams for both boys was brief, if it occurred at all. Neither of the accused teens took the stand in their own defense, nor did any other defense witnesses. The conclusion of the trial and commencement of jury deliberations rapidly drew closer much more quickly than some had anticipated. 
During closing arguments, the prosecution focused on the damning nature of the forensic evidence against Boyer. His boots had traces of Anna's blood, his DNA was found on her neck and his semen on her tank top. In the case against Boy B, the prosecution focused on the teen's consistent pattern of lying during his numerous police interviews. The defense for Boy A knew that it was near impossible to argue that he had no involvement in the attack on Anna. Instead, they focused on their closing address and what they claimed was a lack of evidence that Boy A blamed the sexual assault and murder. Despite taking the images and drawings of the zombie mask into consideration, the jury was unable to take Boy B's interview into account which recounted the conversation with Boyer about wanting to murder Anna. Boyer's defense team closed by raising a number of points in an effort to cast sufficient reasonable doubt. They questioned the professionalism of investigators in the way their interviews were conducted with Boyer. They also maintained that logically there was no way their client would have lured Anna to Glenwood House if he knew of Boyer's true intentions, maintaining that he had no prior knowledge of the crime. The defense for Boy B attempted to explain away his continual lies to police and consistent accounts by claiming that their client was both fearful of Boy A and dealing with the trauma of witnessing the gruesome attack on Anna. By the time closing arguments were delivered, the court had heard seven weeks worth of evidence from more than 60 witnesses. After 14 hours of deliberation, the jury was ready to deliver its unanimous verdict for both boys. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom? Let me tell you about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you wish to ask. And then she can either type her response or record her voice. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventure, and the challenges she overcame. The book becomes a legacy, something you and future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. Personally, I love my life in a book. I tried it with my mom, and I've heard stories I'd never heard before because, you know, they just never came up naturally in conversation. It's easy to use, and my favorite part is it's given me more of an excuse to talk to my mom more. You know, it's not always easy to come up with those on your own. Listener, check out mylifeinabook.com and use code OBSCURA at checkout. For 10% off, create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code OBSCURA for 10% off today. On June 18th, Boy A and Boy B were found guilty of Anna's murder. Boy A was also guilty of Anna's sexual assault. It was an emotional outcome for everyone involved. Boy A's family started crying quietly. Boy B's mother comforted her son, but his father jumped up exclaiming, quote, You bunch of scumbags. You bunch of pricks. You're jailing an innocent kid. He stormed out of the courtroom and slammed the door, but returned soon after, hugging his son tightly. The nature of the details to which the jury exposed the difficult experience of the trial was acknowledged by the judge. He excused the jurors from serving again for the rest of their lives. 
The Herald reported that outside court, after the verdict, Anna's parents made a statement to the waiting media. Anna was our strength. She was a dream come true for us, and she always will be. She will stay in our hearts, forever loved and forever cherished. We love you, Anna. Immediately following the verdict, both boys returned to Oberstown Detention Center until their sentencing, scheduled for July 2019. This was eventually adjourned to October in order to allow psychological assessments to be conducted on the convicted killers to assist the judge in determining an appropriate sentence. Lana's family were still without answers as to the motivation of her murder. There was a hope that these would become more apparent at sentencing. Shortly after the trial concluded, police publicly announced that adult members of the public who were found to identify Boy A and Boy B on social media would be arrested. Screenshots and images posted on WhatsApp, Facebook, and Twitter in the days following the verdict had directly contravened the court orders preventing identification of the killers. While everyone awaited sentencing, information emerged to the public about evidence seized during the searches of both boys' homes that had originally been ruled as inadmissible on the grounds it would be prejudicial. The two phones found in Boye's bedroom were found to contain a significant volume of violent pornographic and horror content in the form of photos and videos, which he downloaded or viewed about six months before on his murder. The Irish Times reported that all in all, almost 12,500 images were recovered, including searches for, quote, child porn, a video referring to a girl named Anastasia, and another video where Boy B was filmed striking a cement block with a steel pole. Evidence relating to Boy B that was deemed inadmissible included internet search results for knives and a YouTube video containing content relating to torture and stabbing. In Ireland, adults found guilty of murder or aggravated sexual assault receive mandatory life sentences. However, no maximum sentences apply to children, and incarceration is generally considered a measure of last resort. And unlike other jurisdictions around the world, pleading guilty to such a serious offense in Ireland doesn't provide the opportunity for a sentencing discount. It was against this legislative backdrop that the sentencing hearings for Boy A and Boy B commenced in late October 2019. The Irish Mirror reported that the court heard that since Boy A had been convicted, he had admitted to choking and kicking Anna, beating her with the length of timber, and murdering her by striking her with the concrete block. Curiously, despite the other forensic evidence strongly implicating Boy A and Anna's sexual assault, he continued to deny involvement in that aspect of the attack. As for Boy B, there would be no such change of heart when it came to his participation in the murder, and he continued to deny any responsibility. At the sentencing hearing, the anguish of Anna's family was evident in the victim impact statement, read to the court by her mother, Geraldine. Quote, The happiest day of our lives was August 10, 2006, the day the court declared we could become the parents of Anna, who we felt was the most wonderful child in the world. We agonized for so many years throughout a laborious adoption process, waiting for her. And when she came, she brought to us everything we had dreamed of for all those years and much more. All of the love and happiness we longed for suddenly flooded into our lives. She was wild and wonderful, electric, so full of fun, madness, and laughter. We could not believe the happiness and joy we had found in our lives. She was the love of our lives, and every single night, before she went to bed, she told us that she loved us too. Every night she came to kiss us and she said, always in French, good night, sleep tight, have beautiful dreams, I love you. She cannot do that anymore and we cannot tell you how badly that hurts. On May 14, 2018, Anna didn't come home. 
The cold fear we felt knowing she was in serious danger, knowing that something or someone prevented her from coming home to us. We knew she would never stay out without permission. She would never hurt us. The panic, the dread, the agonizing wait, the hours that turned into days. We didn't know where she was or what had happened to her. But somebody did. Somebody knew. We waited and waited for our little girl to come home, but she never did. The saddest day of our lives was May 17th, 2018. Three days later, we heard those dreaded words that no parents want to hear. We are so sorry. Our precious little girl's body had been found. The depth of pain and haunting nightmares that we live with following the formal identification of Anna in such traumatic and horrific circumstances. There is no way to describe how that feels. We brought Anna to live in a safe place, a quiet country village, a leafy suburb where the only sounds in the morning are the doves cooing. No one could suspect the evil that lay in waiting for her. No one could anticipate the darkness that swirled in the souls of those that murdered and violated her. How could any child, or even any adult, imagine in their worst nightmares that danger that lay ahead? She wanted to live, but she was not permitted to do that. Her lives are destroyed by what happened to Anna. We cannot look at a group of teenage boys in the same way ever again. That cold fear hits and brings all the horror back. Imagine the terror. Imagine the pain she suffered. That will live with us all our lives. We lie awake at night thinking about the fear she felt when she realized she was going to be killed. We pace the house at night, agonizing about the torture she went through, the horrendous pain she suffered, the sadistic violation of her beautiful, pure and innocent body, to think she was left to rot in that squalid hellhole for over three days. It is unbearable. It is inhuman. The whole family and friends suffer so terribly, every day and every night, with the agony of knowing now, in the most explicit detail, what Anna was subjected to, and knowing that her private life, along with the distorted misrepresentation of her by a twisted mind with tainted eyes, have been displayed on every TV station and newspaper in Ireland and across the world. She was just a little girl, with so many hopes and dreams, and so much love inside of her that she shared generously with all who knew her. Her plans, our future, are shattered. Her little sisters are devastated that they never got to meet their big sister. They will never feel her warm hugs and loving kisses, or see her dance so elegantly, or hear her infectious laughter, and we will never experience that joy again. Never, ever again, will we share that beautiful life we had with Anna. We have lost our child and the children she dreamed of having, our grandchildren. There are no words. What words can describe how we feel at the loss of our wonderful girl? She loved her life. She embraced all of the wonderful experiences life brought her. There is such emptiness in our lives without her. Life without Anna is no longer a life, nor is it even in existence. It is a misery that we must endure for the rest of our lives. We have lost our precious daughter. Her brother has lost his sister, and every family occasion is entrenched with pain and sorrow. But how can there be any solace in this conviction for any of us? Anna's death is irreversible. We always felt Anna was too good to be true, an ephemeral angel. In our hearts and in the hearts of people in Ireland and Russia, with love forever, we are a broken family. Our hearts ache for you, Anna. So many of the people in Anna's life are traumatized and suffer nightmares, stress, and anxiety. Not just adults, but children who are not only traumatized, but in fear for their own lives. Anna is lost to all of those people that loved her. Remember how much she loved you, and hold on to that love in your hearts. 
Thank you, Anna, for giving us all that precious love. We miss you. We love you. Before the sentencing judge announced his decision, he addressed Boy A and Boy B directly. Quote, Every person right across the country has been affected by what happened to Anna, a healthy 14-year-old girl with her future before her, and her short life should not be defined by how she died. Her precious right to life entitled her to live it to its full potential. With fun, imagination, dancing, music, a lovely and loving child and a loving family, she hoped for a wider circle of friends, growing up with some difficulties along the way, but full of variety of potential and aspirations. Her family are bereft, the joy and security of the Creagel's family shattered in the most cruel circumstances. The evidence given by Anna's mother set out to me and all who heard it. The deep joy brought to her and her father, Patrick, I listened to and read her evidence, and nothing could be added to the simple, sad truth of what she told us. There is no solace for them in this process. Anna's murder has resulted in a lifelong sentence for them, compounded by the manner of its occurrence. The boys bear responsibility for her murder, and notwithstanding their age, are responsible for her death and must face the consequences. Both of you will be required to serve lengthy periods of detention, but you will have the opportunity to return to your families, your community, and return to society when you are relatively young men. When that will be is not yet determined, but much depends on your behavior and attitude over the coming years. Boy A, you took Anna's life and subjected her to a terrifying sexual and physical assault in doing so. Boy B, you actively participated in her killing. You will have to carry the guilt of shame and your involvement in the devastation you wrought upon her family for the rest of your lives. Her family will have to bear their grief for the rest of their lives. At least you will have the opportunity to reconstruct yours in a positive way. I hope you take it. Build towards that in your time in custody. You have the opportunity for a future and second chance, something you so wrongfully and cruelly denied to Anna. This was murder of the most serious, shocking, and disturbing kind. Boye received a sentence of life imprisonment for Anna's murder to be reviewed after 12 years. For the aggravated sexual assault, he received an additional 12-year sentence to run concurrently. Boy B was sentenced to 15 years imprisonment for murdering Anna, with the review to be conducted after 8 years. These review periods mean that Boy B could be released as early as 2027, while Boy A could be released as early as 2031. Both will be transferred to adult prisons in 2022, when they turn 18, if and when they are released. The boys will be provided with new identities. The Irish Examiner reported that outside court following sentencing, Anna's parents made a statement to the media, quote, Justice has been served for Anna. The judge has decided on the sentence, and that duty lies with him alone. For our part, we only say that forever is not long enough. Please remember Anna, and keep her in your hearts, somewhere. These were not the only moving words in memory of Anna, spoken publicly by her parents. An audio recording made by Patrick and Geraldine in both English and French of the poem Love Never Disappears was played at Anna's funeral and later released by RTE News. Unfortunately for Patrick and Geraldine, even though the boys who killed their daughter are now imprisoned, the legal wrangling isn't over. The Irish Examiner reported that in November 2019, Boy B appealed his conviction. The matter was on track to be heard in April 2020, but Boy B is seeking a new appeal date 
following his appointment of a new legal team. In July 2020, the Court of Appeal heard an application by Boy B to exceed his allowable legal aid limit to seek the services of a psychologist from Britain. The court also heard the application would contest the criminal court's refusal to allow the jury to hear evidence claiming Boy B has been experiencing PTSD since witnessing the attack on Anna. Be sure to stay tuned for an update on the outcome of Boy B's upcoming appeal. But for today, I think that just about wraps things up. Thank you for listening, and keep it black. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.